the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Wednesday, February the 14th, 2024, in the year of our Lord. Today is Valentine's Day. Guys, if you forgot, you better remember and get on it. You got a few hours before somebody figures out that you forgot. I'll be talking a little bit more about Valentine's Day in a minute. Today on February 14th, 1967, Aretha Franklin recorded her cover of Otis Redding's song, Respect. She recorded it at Atlantic Records in New York. It's one of the all-time favorite and great greatest selling records, of, as I said, of all time. Respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, that. Barack Obama particularly liked that. He used to use that in some of his ads when he was in the presidency. Today in 1876, inventors Alexander Graham Bell and and Elisha Gray, they applied separately for patents related to the telephone. There was some conflict, in fact, pretty sharp conflict between the two. The, The matter ended up before the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court eventually ruled that Bell, Alexander Graham Bell, was the rightful inventor. That goes on today. There are people still writing about that, and they're trying to make the case that Mr. Gray actually was the inventor and Mr. Bell stole his ideas. Today in 1912, Arizona became the 48th state of the Union. Today in 1924, the Computing Tabulating Recording Company of New York was formally renamed International Business Machines Corp., you and I know it as IBM. Today, in 1929, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre took place at a Chicago garage. Seven rivals of Al Capone's gang were gunned down. Today, in 1989, Iran's Ayatollah Khomeini called on Muslims all over the world to kill Salman Rushdie, an author. He was the author of the book The Satanic Verses. It was a novel that was not kind to Islam. In fact, they condemned it as blasphemous, and they put out a, a death call on his life. He lived in, in hiding for years. I think he, maybe he still does. I think he made a lot of money off the book, but I have to wonder if he's had second thoughts about it over those years. I don't know. But anyway, they haven't killed him as far as I know. Yet, I don't know if the death uh, call on his life is still in effect or not, but they were more than a little upset about that, the whole Islamic world at the time. I wrote a little piece uh, a couple of weeks ago, the beginning of the month, for uh, ACN and uh, sent it to them. I think Tom Reed may have used that. I hope he did. And he asked me to write it, and I I did. And I just want to share that with you. So if you've heard this before, um, I'm just wanting to share it with the broader audience. Just some thoughts that I wrote down about uh, Valentine's Day. Quoting a guy, and let me tell you, 
up front that the guy I'm quoting was not a Christian. He lived a long time ago. He was a psychiatrist, but he said some interesting things. And so I'm quoting him a little bit in this these few remarks about Valentine's Day. But it's February. It's winter. It's cold, snowy, and freezing. And if you're not into skiing and skating or sledding or singing in the rain, it's not a very exciting month. Except for Valentine's Day, which is right in the middle of it. Smiley Blanton wrote a long time ago, Life really does boil down to love or perish. Without love, hopes perish. Without love, dreams and creativity perish. Without love, families and churches perish. Without love, friendships perish. Without love, the intimacies of romance perish. Without love, the desire to go on living can perish. And to love and to be loved is the bedrock of our existence. End of quote. February is a month to say, I love you to the one you love and express the love in tangible ways. God's word describes those tangible ways. The Bible says love is patient, love is kind, is not jealous, love does not brag or is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffering, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears, believes, hopes, endures all things. Those are the actions of love. It's also a month to remember that God said to a lost and perishing world, I love you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Happy Valentine's Day to all of you that are listening. And happy Valentine's Day to my wife, who my hope is listening. She listens every morning. I love you, honey. Happy Happy Valentine's Day. I don't know if you noticed at the um, Super Bowl, if you watched it, upwards of 2 million people around the world. I think it was 120-some million in America. That's a pretty good slice of our whole um, population watched the Super Bowl. And uh, another 80 million around the world watched it. It's amazing. But... uh, Anyway, that during the Super Bowl, there were these ads, He Gets Us, and it was about, it was an attempt to try to get people that are not religious or have no interest in religion or particularly Christianity, and it was all based around the fact that He Gets Us, Jesus Gets Us, and they were speaking to a crowd that was um, not churched, not interested in church and so on. And I'm going to come back to that. I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. And uh, in in complete clarity and honesty, but I've been thinking about this and it bothers me a little bit. And so I'll share my thoughts with you on that in a second. But it seems like we've entered into kind of an era where almost anything is justified if you can reach somebody quote-unquote, for Jesus. And I, I'm wondering if we haven't wandered off, you know, the back 40 with some of our methods. Maybe our motives are pure. I don't know. God knows the heart. I don't. 
I don't even know my own heart, the Bible says. God knows our heart. But I do watch the methods, and some of them are kind of bothersome. And I don't mean to be critical, but I'm just saying, have we gotten clear out of bounds on some of this? There's a video that surfaced during this last Super Bowl period, just last week, and it was from 2020, so it's four years old, but it surfaced through this uh, this organization. It's called, you've probably never heard of it, but it's called Protestia, <laughs> you, pro, because they protest. Uh, it's called Protestia, and it's a site that reports irregular and possibly heretical or blasphemous practices done at houses of worship. How would you like to get up and go to work every day? And that was your job to do that. Anyway, there is such an organization and that's what they do. Well, they came up with this video from back in 2020. And uh, it it had to do that these two pastors, one of them was a woman pastor and one was a, a man pastor. And I saw the video. And one of the pastors is wearing a 49ers jersey, and the other is wearing a Chiefs jersey. But they're and they're they're lined up on a it looks like a football field, and they're they're like going to kick off, like you kick off the football game. You know, somebody scores, and then they kick off to the other team, and so on for you non-football player people. Um, but anyway, I saw the video and. And they're all lined up, and they have an umpire, and they flip the coin. They go through the whole thing as like a real football game. And then it's the woman pastor who is the kicker, and somebody holds not the football, but a Bible. And so she runs up and kicks the Bible off down the field like to the opposing team, like in football you would kick the football. This Protestia says that the female pastor who kicked the Bible, again, this was not recent, this was 2020, is Allie Peterson, who on her website, Peterson describes herself as a, quote, passionate about, uh, she is passionate about helping others build a life on the firm foundation of Jesus, truth, and grace through authentic teaching rooted in scripture. Well, if that's true about her, and it probably is, and her motives are probably pure. I don't know. I, I don't know these people. I never heard of them before. But apparently they pastor these two in a pretty significant church. It's Crossroads Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. I looked at that and I thought, man, have we lost our mind? I mean, kicking the Bible? I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not comfortable with that. I'll just be very, very clear with you. It's, on her website, it says she has a degree from Dallas Theological Seminary. Now, I've known some of the professors there over years past, and a number of them were on my television program over the 12 years we had a daily television show, and it was on a number of stations around the country, network stations. And so a number of the professors there, and they'd written books and so on, and they were on. I've never seen any hint from Dallas Theological Seminary that would support kicking the Bible in place of a football. I, I mean... I don't know. I, like I said, her motives probably are pure, but man, the methods. But this, he gets me, this series of ads that we've been, seen running last year in the Super Bowl and again this year, and it costs like $7 million for a half, a half a minute. 
in the Super Bowl to buy that time. So they're spending this group that's running this this ad and and a, a series of ads, but they're all pretty much alike. They're very uh, they're strange. They they I can see who they're trying to speak to, but I don't think creating. I mean, I was a youth pastor for a long time. Yes, I know things have changed. They haven't changed that much, and human beings haven't changed. We're pretty much the same as we were some time ago, like in the Garden of Eden. But anyway, they're spending upwards of a billion dollars on this advertising campaign to expose millions of people, including those who tuned in to the Super Bowl, about Jesus. But is the attempt to win over the world with the modernized version of Christ succeeding? And I wondered that, so I looked into it. The first commercial flipped through a series of black and white photos and children helping others in need. This was a year ago. Then they had a series again the other day, last Sunday. The 30-second clip ended with a tagline that says, Jesus didn't want us to act like adults. They were referencing Christ's teachings, about apparently, about child childlike faith in Matthew chapter 18. When I first began seeing the ads, I wondered about the intent and the message. Well, I looked into who's behind this, and some of them I didn't know. Some I did know. Not personally, but I know who they are, and so do you. But is this billion-dollar budget actually reaching people with the message of the gospel? Well, only God knows. But I looked into that a little bit, too. Let's talk a little bit about it. I'm not questioning the motive of the investors, or at least one of them. One of them is David Green. He's the founder of Hobby Lobby. I love Hobby Lobby. Archie and I go there sometimes just because they play Christian music. We walk around and don't even buy anything. Sometimes we do buy stuff. I like Hobby Lobby. And I have a tremendous respect for David Green. I don't I, I don't think I've ever met him. But man, I mean, he's the real deal. He bailed out Oral Roberts University. He was on the board there some years ago. And they were almost bankrupt when... Oral Roberts' son was running the university. He bailed him out like $60 million or something. He's the founder of Hobby Lobby. He's one of these guys that is funding this. He's certainly showing himself to be all in, and he's giving to the Lord's work. I mean, we've all seen that together. He and Hobby Lobby have never blinked when they're faced with opposition to his biblical beliefs and that of his family. Some other Christian-owned companies have caved, and we've seen that. I've even talked about some of them with great sadness on this program. But he hasn't caved, David Green. He has stood strong for marriage and life and other biblical values. USA Today reported in 2022, they said Hobby Lobby founder David Green announced through an October 21 op-ed on Fox News that he's giving up his company and that he chose God over wealth. That's the kind of a person he is. What does that mean? Well, they say they said USA Today, this was 2022, an article. Green credited his faith and higher power as the true source of his success, they say, USA Today, noting that God was the true owner of my business and felt that passing the company down to his children and to grandchildren would have been the wrong move. As an owner, there are certain rights and responsibilities, including the right to sell the company, keep the profits for yourself and your family, Green says in his column. And USA Today is reporting on it. As our company grew, that idea began to bother me more and more. 
He said, well-meaning attorneys and accountants advised me to simply pass ownership down to my children and grandchildren. It didn't seem fair to me that I might change or even ruin the future of grandchildren who had not yet even been born. He said, when I realized that I was just a steward, it was easy to give away my ownership. Now, Forbes says that his ownership, his net worth currently is 14, personally is $14 billion. Green said, wealth can be a curse, and in many cases, if you drill down onto it, wealth is a curse in terms of marriage, children, and things of that nature. So we're stewarding our company, and therefore our children come to work, and they get what they earn. As you know, Hobby Lobby has been enmeshed with national religious news, USA Today says. Over the last few decades under Green, most recently during the pandemic of 2020, when he noted, when he opted to leave stores open during COVID-19 risk because everything was in God's control, quote-unquote. He's also taken a strong biblical stand for life and for marriage. So he's a good man, end of quote. So he's a good man who's committed to doing the Lord's work and the Lord's will. There's no question about that. So why would he find his way into something like this is my question. And I mean... I assume the other he gets us investors mean well as well. I don't know. But I think we all know about Mr. Green. So I get their motives about he gets you. But what about the method? Jordan Boyd, in an article published in The Federalist last year, just after the Super Bowl, she wrote this. She said, he gets us is spending. This was a year ago. He's spending upwards of a billion dollars on the advertising campaign to expose millions of people, including those who tuned into the Super Bowl, to Jesus. But its attempt to win over the world with a modernized version of Christ failed to endear some of those it sought to engage. And I read that and I thought, who didn't accept that, that they were trying to read? I mean, what was the reaction? So I looked into it uh, a little more. She went on to say, instead of transforming the life of Jesus to fit our culture... Let's tell the full story of Jesus, offensive and glorious as it is, to the watching world and see how it transforms them. That caught my attention. I've tried to do that my whole life. Just tell the gospel. I don't have anything of my own that's going to help anybody much. It's the gospel. It's the message of Jesus Christ that changes lives. I know, I know. I've been there, done that. I was a youth pastor in Hollywood, for goodness sakes. I know you got to get people's attention. you got to reach out to them. you got to draw them in. I get all that. I'm not even opposed to it. I'm saying, man, you know, do, do what you need to do as far as those kinds of things. But is this too far? Spending God's money by their own admission? God's in control. God owns all of this money that we have. And that's certainly a biblical position, and it's admirable. The other ads were essentially the same, such as, if I could see the world through the eyes of a child, what a wonderful world this would be, the song narrated. This year's Super Bowl ads were pretty much the same. They had a different narrative line, but they were pretty much the same. But here's what I don't get. According to USA Today, the He Gets Us website says, and I'm quoting from their website, let us be clear in our opinion, Jesus loves gay people. 
and Jesus loves trans people. The LGBTQ plus community, like all people, is invited to explore the story of Jesus. Now, I can't quote, that's their words, not mine, off their website. Now, I can't say that without saying this. That's true. Jesus does love all the people, every stinking one of us who have sinned, we have failed, we are sinners, we should spend eternity in hell, but God has given us a better way. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ himself, who is God, could have died and rose from the dead for our sins. But Green and Hobby Lobby won a significant victory back in 2014 when the Supreme Court ruled that Hobby Lobby and other closely held corporations could continue to deny providing health insurance and coverage for some all forms of birth control based on religious objections. We talked about that on this program. You will remember that. That ruling affected more than 60 million American workers. So a man that has done that much for biblical truth and done all the things he's done, and I, as I say, I commend him. I, I, man, I'm just thankful for him, impressed. But these commercials offer the vaguest and the most inoffensive and uncontroversial picture of Jesus possible, even to the people who already have a distaste for Christianity. And when I looked into this, and I don't have time to go through the whole list of, you know, Joe Blow in Brooklyn said this and that, but I found a ream of people, just ordinary people, that were saying, what is this? And some of the people were writing on social media, they were saying, that he gets us thing is a bait and switch. In other words, they tr- they're trying to get our attention so they could drag us into church. And they were upset at these people for doing it. You say, well, Gary, that's good. They got their attention and so on. I understand. But we live in a world that is so laced with deception and deceiving and so on. Is that really, I mean, is that the way to present the gospel? On a billion-dollar budget? These commercials are vague and inoffensive until the people begin to see they're trying to trick me into a Jesus talk, one guy said. He said, I'm not going to be tricked into a Jesus talk. And he was angry at them. On their website, there's one graphic that says, how did the story of man of a man who taught and practiced unconditional love become associated with hatred and oppression for so many people. I mean, that's the tone of their website. He Gets Us was born out of the idea that Christians of today are not good enough at the marketing of Jesus. After all, an alarming number of Americans are abandoning the church. That's the bottom line of this. That's sort of the reason for their existence. Anyone who reads the Bible knows that our society will never welcome the good news with open arms. Those of us who are Christians and read the Bible and and believe it as the infallible word of God, which it is, we know that Jesus said, they're going to hate you because they hated me first. He told us that. So anybody that knows the Bible, they know that our society is not going to like 
run out and say, yes, let's get the gospel, unless they have been transformed themselves by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's because the gospel, in its truest form, is offensive to the world because it is a, the world is, quote-unquote, satanic in the sense of God is not in control. I mean, he is in control of all things, but in their minds and in their lives and their behavior, God is not in control of their lives. They're going to do what they want to do and so on. So there is a great gulf between the Christian and the non-Christian. And if we spend our time and our billions of dollars trying to bridge that gulf and bring it together in some kind of a some kind of a way that's a bit compromising but the end justifies the means i mean is that how we take the gospel to the whole world is that what jesus called us to do i don't know i don't think so it announces the gospel announces unequivocally that every person is a sinner who deserves death and that even the so-called good works that we do are tainted by self-interest and are filthy in the eyes of a holy God. It tells of a of a loving father who gave his only son, Jesus, who is God, to live a perfect life and die the most brutal death for our sins. That's the story. How do you get from kicking a Bible on a football field and all of this other stuff that's on. How do you get from that to this, the reality? I don't know. But they're not doing it because there's no evidence that this billion-dollar ad run that they're doing is making any difference. And that's sad. I wish it were, but it isn't. Nothing about the offensive message of the gospel conforms to the culture. In fact, the Word of God demands that we do not conform to the pattern of the world. Be ye not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the person who disagrees with me would say, yeah, but Gary, that's what they're trying to do. I, I, it probably is what they're trying to do. But is that the best way? I think it's a wake-up call for all of us in our churches and in our ministry, whatever that may be, sharing with friends the gospel or whatever, maybe we need to look. I don't mean we should rush at the first non-believer we see and grab him by the collar and say, you're going to go to hell if you don't accept Jesus. I'm not talking about that. That's not my nature. I've seen that, but that isn't me. But I don't think, I don't think we have to be that extreme to stand for the gospel and preach the gospel because it's only the gospel of Jesus Christ that can that converts and conforms the the life of an individual to the life in the kingdom of God. There's nothing wrong with bringing Jesus to the masses. It's what we're commanded to do. But we have to do it well. We have to have clarity. It is not the cute tricks that we do. It is the power of the gospel. The gospel, the cross, is a stumbling block until they understand the truth of God's word and the truth of the cross. Jesus' mission from God to die for the sins of the world, it can't be reduced to a few choice words. You, you gotta, we got to separate that. And that alone is the great news that doesn't need to be editorialized or tweaked or watered down. Paul wrote to the 
a letter to the Romans. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.